And now back. Now back. And now back to the Jennifer Fulwiler Show from Austin, Texas. Jen Fulweiler, so happy to have you with me here this afternoon. Remember, we are doing a special Jen's Jukebox edition, Songs for Houston. Got a bunch of friends from Houston who have been impacted by the flooding who are actually going to be listening. And if you have any songs on your mind that you would like to just dedicate to them that you use, that you listen to when you need to be lifted up, stick with me. And in about 30 minutes, we will do that. And right now, I am so excited to have Taylor Schroll back on the show. He's such an intelligent, fun, fascinating guy. He is a Catholic missionary, speaker, worship leader, and radio host. You can look him up at ForteCatholic.com. Taylor, welcome back to The Jennifer Fulweiler Show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Yeah, so glad that you're here. And by the way, I noticed in your bio here, it kind of stands out to me that you say you're a Catholic missionary. And that's such an interesting word to me, Taylor, because I always thought missionary meant that you're living in some far-flung country in some really remote area. I, I didn't even know that was an option, that we could be missionaries and live here, you know, live in Bryan, Texas, <laughs> like you do. So t- tell me about that term. What does that mean, that you're a missionary? First of all, Texas is the greatest country in the world. So for many in the well, United States, you know, this is a foreign that's land. True. But uh, what it, we are domestic missionaries, so we're missionaries that live at home, like you said. And the biggest thing that we do that makes us missionaries is that we work in a mission field. We believe that youth ministry today in America is a mission field. And the second reason is that we actually fundraise our salaries. So instead of getting paid by a, you know, by a parish, a, a regular salary, we actually have people partner with us monthly, give to us, uh, you know, generous donations. So we actually survive on the, the financial support of the community. So that's what makes us missionaries. That is so cool. So I bet a lot of people listening, Taylor, didn't even know that that was a thing, that lay people did that. I think this is maybe, I mean, I, what do I know? But my impression is that this is more common now. You didn't see that quite as much, say, 60, 70 years ago, at least in this country. I think it's a really cool concept. And so are you with an organization or, or are you an independent domestic missionary? Yeah, so I work for a, a, a an organization, uh, Ablaze Ministries, based here in Bryan College Station. So we're a group of uh, 16 people in youth ministry. We all work in the same office. We live, not live in community, but we work in community, pray together, work together. And then we actually go out to parishes in the area to provide them with youth ministry for their parishes. And because of our missionary model, we're actually able to um, serve in parishes that have never been able to afford a youth minister before. And because, you know, we have people partnering with us to help us financially, we're able to help um, these parishes and serve these youths um, that have never really gotten the chance to be served by a youth minister before. That is so cool, Taylor. And, and it actually reminds me of a conversation I had just recently with a woman I know who is a doctor. She works full time. And we were talking about just the, the idea of, you know, sharing the faith, that kind of thing. And she said, you know, obviously we're all supposed to share our faith. I mean, we're all called to be a witness to Christ. But she said, you know, primarily I, I do things, little things to share my faith in, in small ways in, in my practice. But 
she said, you know, I, I just don't think that is personally my call to be kind of full-time evangelizing, that sort of thing. I think that God has me on a different path. I, I know what work I'm doing here in the medical field, and that's where I'm supposed to be. And so I love it that people like that can say, hey, that's not my call, but I can find who my local domestic missionaries are, or I can support Taylor Schroll and, and do it. Blaze Ministries. <laughs> and Right, like do it. Give them all your money right now. And, and, and I think it, it's really cool to see – how God uses each of our different gifts and resources to build up the church. And you see that, you know, not everyone has to be a full-time missionary. Some people are called to that. Some aren't. And the people who aren't can support you guys. Yeah, if everybody was a full-time missionary, I couldn't be. <laughs> like, I need people who are, <laughs> right, who are doctors, point. you know, who, who, who work really hard, make good money. And, like, I actually have some doctors here in the area and people who have fantastic business jobs and they make a ton of money and they're so, so, so generous with their churches. They're very financially generous with us as well. And I just love how the body of Christ can work together. The ministry is where my skill set lies. I couldn't be a doctor if you sat me in a classroom for 30, 30, 30 years. I'm just not that bright. <laughs> you keep calling me a theologian. You know, our, uh, the general manager of the, of the of Red Sea Radio is here in the studio with us to help get this all set up. And he was laughing in the first segment when you called me a theologian. I went from a rando on Twitter to a theologian in about 30 <laughs> seconds. You know, rando on Twitter to well, in no, the no, same no. class with Augustine Aquinas. I was saying you were a rando because I didn't know you, you know, because I'd been drinking wine. And so I didn't even look at your bio, Taylor. I, like, all I know is this person whose name I'm not familiar with wants to come on my show and sing a song. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it now. <laughs> and then later I'm like, oh, this guy's so brilliant. And we know people in common. This is amazing. So that is the point I was trying to make. The, the longer you get to know me, I think the brilliant word will probably start dropping out of your vocabulary. But it's okay. You can keep it for now. It, uh, it builds me up a little bit. I'll go confess my sin of pride later. All right. Well, it's fantastic. And, you know, Taylor, I think it's an interesting thought exercise for those of us who are not missionaries. I was just kind of trying to imagine what if let, let's say I were to become a domestic missionary or if my husband were to. So word, I presume, would get around among the people that you live near. People in your neighborhood would say, oh, what do you do? And you can mention I'm, I'm a missionary. I work in ministry. And it's Taylor how that would suddenly make me very conscious of the way people perceive me? You know, do they think I'm rude? Do they see me helping others in times of need? And as as I live my life right now, I I kind of have this attitude of like, I don't know, I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know what people think of me and it's not that big of a deal. But I think it's actually a healthy exercise to say, am I living the same way I would live? Am I interacting with my neighbors the same way I would interact with them if everyone on the block knew that I was a Catholic missionary? And if not, why not? I mean, that's. I think that's an interesting exercise for all of us. Yeah, it, two things. The the first one, I actually, even before I was a missionary, I had this when I was in high school for two reasons. One, I uh, I was a football player, life in the locker room, and everything that came with that. And so I played Jesus in our church play. And I used to be the big guy on campus. I'd walk in, I'd cut in line because who was going to stop me? And then I played Jesus in the church play, and they're like. <laughs> Would Jesus do that? I'm like, well, crap, no, he wouldn't. So I need to, I need to fix this up. <laughs> and it's and it's interesting too. The people in the neighborhood. I was actually just having a conversation with some people in my neighborhood who didn't know until recently that I was a Catholic missionary. So apparently, I was able to hide it. But <laughs> when I was real small growing up, I lived on the I lived on the same street with a Lutheran pastor, and for many many years, 
he would like we'd be out, you know, playing baseball and being stupid kids and hitting his mailbox with golf, uh, tennis balls and hitting his garage with tennis balls. So like, it didn't hurt anything. We weren't doing anything. But he would come out and yell at us because you don't need to shut up. I'm writing my sermon. We're like, well, that's counterproductive, you know. <laughs> so for and, and like it just didn't sit well with me, obviously, right? So for a long time, I didn't like this guy. It wasn't until I got older and I understood that. You know, pastors get grumpy, missionaries get grumpy. and But like you said, it is a great call, not just for people who are pastors or who are missionaries, but it really is a call from our baptism. Like, we are all supposed to be, if we're saying that we're Catholic, if we're saying that we're Christian, we shouldn't, we should be acting the same way all the time, whether people know we're Catholic or not. So I think that's the challenge for us, for you and for me. I don't do it perfectly at all, so, but we got to try. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great point. And, and I do think like – and of course, even if people – like you said, even if people don't know we're Catholic, we're supposed to be living our faith to the fullest in which you would naturally show love to, to everyone around you. But I do think there's a second thing that is – different in this particular time and place in history when, you know, I've, I've said many times on this show, Taylor, I think that we really do live in a post-Christian culture today. We're not surrounded by people who, fare, who share our faith, certainly as Catholics. And I think it's fair enough for each one of us to say, for anyone listening to say, look, if your neighbors ever know that you go to mass, you probably represent all of Catholicism to them. Right. So think about that for a minute, because I did that when I was an atheist. I remember I, I was still I was kind of agnostic at this point, but I visited a Catholic church, had you know never gone, gone to a mass or anything like that in my life. But I just I went to check it out. And on my way out, somebody was really rude in the parking lot, you know, made, just seemed very annoyed with me because I pulled out in front of them by accident. And I remember thinking, oh, isn't this person ashamed? I mean, they're they're Catholic. That's and and I really sensed this sense of duty on their part. I I I expected them to be very conscious of the fact that they wore this huge big red label that said Catholic, and that they would think about that and and act accordingly. And of course, now that I'm not only Catholic, I'm on the Catholic Channel, and I'm like, well, I don't know, I can't control what people think about me, so I'm going to go yell at that person. <laughs> but I mean, isn't it isn't it interesting how easy it is to not realize that. We represent Catholicism. Everyone listening probably represents all of Catholicism to someone. Absolutely. We have a, we have a great power and a great responsibility. Now I feel like I'm in a Spider-Man movie. But we, we, really do feel, <laughs> we really do have this power to give people a good view of Catholicism or a bad view, a good view of Christ or a bad view. And we all have bad days, and I'm sure I've probably you know, led people away from God at times, and I'm just hoping that uh, God will forgive me for that and that I can lead more people to him than I lead away. Uh, ab- absolutely. Great power comes great responsibility. There's my Spider-Man quote for you for today. <laughs> I love it, Taylor. And people can look you up. They can have you speak at their parish event and have you come do your great missionary work wherever they are. They can find you at ForteCatholic.com. And Taylor, you know, we, we've we been talking about music a lot on the show today. I do a thing on the show that I call Jen's Jukebox, where people call in and we talk about songs and what they mean to us. And so you must have some kind of background in music for the fact that you did that awesome and hilarious song to to come on the show. What What is your background there? Yeah, so I started leading worship in when I was in college. So I'd you know, lead praise and worship for like uh, young adult nights, co- uh, high school youth nights, just kind of travel around and do that. And I still do that now. I actually uh, was a music major in 
in undergrad. So I studied music, got to learn from some great uh, musicians and some great Catholic musicians on how to do the music for mass, how to how to lead prayer. Uh, and, and I've just been doing it ever since. It's actually like the reason that I fell in love with my faith was through music, through doing praise and worship uh, when I was in in high school. So I just have this deep love for music, and I know that it also has the power to to lead people deeper into prayer and to make some kind of sense of this faith that can be confusing for people. Yeah, it's such a good point. And what do you, you know, I've been thinking about the songs that I listen to recently and where I draw the line with <laughs> with some music. And what do you personally listen to? Do you only listen to Christian music or where do you kind of determine what music builds you up and what might be, you know, a little over the line and not something you should listen to? I most for the most part because I was a music major and I'm around music all the time, for the most part honestly I listen to talk radio. I listen to your show, I listen to Lino, <laughs> I listen to a couple of my other friends uh, who have shows here on Red Sea Radio and and elsewhere. And but when I do listen to music, honestly, it's just like I don't really listen to much new. <laughs> I listen to a lot of stuff. I listen to Christian stuff, rap, country, just kind of w- whatever I'm in the mood for. And uh, I mean, over the course of the years, I used to listen to like only like gangster rap. And then I had to kind of wean <laughs> myself like me, off me of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had to wean myself off of that. Uh, it still sneaks in every now and then because I'm I'm a sinner and I'm not this uh, brilliant theologian that you might think I am. But I, I do like Christian music, and you know I was thinking as you I was listening earlier to you talking about songs for Houston. Um, this there's this praise and worship song called Oceans that got pretty popular a couple of years ago. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song, and it's it's about the story of you know Peter coming out to Jesus in the midst of this storm and walking on the water. And then him having doubts and sinking into the water. And I, I have, I, as I've, I know you do too, I have friends and family in the Houston area. Like my parents are actually wondering if their house is going to flood today. The flooding's still moving down towards the coast. They live on the coast. Uh, and just this whole thing and this whole tragedy of all these waters coming up, I just can't get this song out of my head. Uh, of and continu- I'm playing it right now, yeah, by ahead. the way, for people who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, so, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so like as people are literally worrying about flooding, flooding, and in tragedies like this, we can be like Peter and take our eyes off of Jesus and start sinking into the water. And I've just seen so many people who have been encouraging me, friends of mine whose houses are underwater, and they're still the people encouraging people to have faith, that they still trust in God, that they're still looking up to God and trying to look Jesus in the eyes, that they don't sink into the water, sink into the despair of this struggle. Wow, that is such a great point. And you know, Taylor, that's one of the things that has been most inspiring about this tragedy in Houston. And for people who don't know Texas geography, I mentioned that you're in Bryan, but that's what, like an hour and a half away from Houston? I mean, yes. you're, you're really close to everything that's happened. Yeah. And yeah, isn't that amazing how you see people, like even the people who are who are suffering the most, are turning to ask how other people are and are turning to help other people. Yeah, I, and a lot of my friends are youth ministers at the parishes in central Houston who are, their parishes are completely under, underwater, their houses underwater, and they're the ones that are coordinating the church's efforts to go help people who are still stranded, uh, get donations and all these things. It's just so inspiring that through their hurt, they're still wanting to bring Christ to people who are hurting as well. And people are just coming together um, throughout this hurt. You know, we've seen so much of the last few months, year or so, just people being so disunited on Twitter around race, politics, religion, uh, who you voted for in the last election or whatever. And the whole city of Houston is just coming together. There's just, there've been these so, uh, so many impactful pictures of people helping each other out despite race or, or whatever. 
and the city really is coming together in this tragedy as everybody's hurting to come together and, and share the love of Christ with each other. It's beautiful. Oh, I love that. Well, and in fact, you know, we're, since we're doing Jen's Jukebox up next, I'll play that one for you, Taylor, because some people might not be familiar with that song. So we'll, I'll do that as your Jen's Jukebox suggestion. Awesome. But yeah, so that's, that's actually a great example of, of what I was getting at about how music can lead us to deeper truths that are hard to see in the moment. And as we'll hear a little bit later when I play that song, you you hear through those lyrics. I mean, it's, it's called Oceans. It's about water getting higher and feeling overwhelmed. And that's, you know, for I, I would imagine that just knowing some of my friends who have been impacted by this hurricane, that that is it. That is a powerful moment to listen. It takes you out of your immediate concerns and brings you into a greater understanding of what is going on. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, we had a um, I was speaking and leading worship at the Fullness of Truth Conference in San Antonio this last weekend. We just had this group of 200 young people singing and praying that song uh, for their friends and family from Corpus Christi and Houston and everybody that's struggling. It's just a, a be- really beautiful time seeing these junior high and high school kids, and we were praying that for those who were hurting, and they really got behind that prayer. It, it's, I mean, in the midst of all this suffering, there's still joy happening, and like that's what Catholicism is all about, right? Like We celebrate a guy— we, we proclaim Christ crucified. We celebrate our God who suffered and then was victorious over that. And we can have that same hope that even in the midst of our sufferings, that there's still resurrection, that there's still life, that there's still hope on the horizon. And actually, Taylor, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to bring up next. The last time you, you were on the show, we were talking about the idea of happiness. And where do we get our happiness? And the people I know who have been really deep in their faith and truly, I mean, on a gut level, understand that you will only find true lasting joy in Christ. And if you make an idol of anything else, it will just it will lead you to stress and misery and just restlessness in your life. Those people who who truly understand that on a deep level when they hit hard times, I mean, it might be difficult. They might go through an absolutely terrible experience, but it doesn't tend to shake their faith because they never set it up to where they, they never approach their life with the perspective that, yep, God gives us good things. And, you know, and, and that's what God is about, like having comfort and having nice things. And I do think that some of us, and I very much include myself in this, kind of set ourselves up for failure when we kind of only thank God for the good things, like, hey, I hit my book deadline, and oh, I got that new, you know, the Starbucks had that drink that I wanted, and they have their pumpkin spice latte or whatever, that you're setting yourself up for a rough go of things if that is your perception of how God is working in your life. And it's not easy. We So many stories in the Bible are of people suffering. It's it's kind of a sad book if it was just about that, but there's always something to look forward to. Is always, even as people are dying, there's stories of saints and stories in the scriptures of the God's people dying, God's, God's people suffering. But what gets them through is that they know that either God's going to get them through this on earth or that it's all going to end for them and they're going to go and eventually be with him in eternal happiness in paradise, right? And that's something that that is difficult, but we can look to these people like David as he wrote the Psalms, and he's just like, God, where are you in all this? And he's frustrated, and then, you know, three chapters later, he's like, hey, God, thanks for showing up that one time that I asked you to. And I, I think yeah. we can look at these biblical figures to figure out where, where, 
where do we find our happiness? Where do we find our joy whenever we're in these situations that we're struggling as well and having these questions and our doubts? It's like, man, the saints had it too. These biblical characters had it too. But ultimately, they continued to fix their eyes on God and said, I, what really is love? It's wanting what's best for the other. So even whenever you know somebody whose house just flooded, they're helping other people because they love them. They love God's people. And they want what's best for them, even no matter what situation that they find themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Taylor, how are have you have you been down to Houston yet since since the flooding? I have not. Yeah. And I've heard, though, that the vibe there is really it's really a beautiful thing to see how much it's brought the city together and how much you see exactly what you were just talking about. People not thinking of themselves and helping one another. And it's I mean, of course, it's it's a horrible tragedy and not to minimize that. But I think it's a sort of a microcosm of the lesson that, you know, God allows bad things to happen. He allows suffering to happen. We live in a fallen world. We don't completely understand why God didn't wave a magic wand and have the whole thing be suffering free. But we do see God bringing good out of these horrific situations. We do see God moving even in the worst of it. And I think it's it's so important as a Christian, especially here in the age of 24-7 worldwide news, to where all you have to do is pull up a news website and find out about some horrific tragedy playing out somewhere in the world, like in Asia, where, you know, 1,200 people have lost their lives also due to flooding. I think it's so important to remember that perspective, to, to look for God in the midst of suffering and not not discount the presence of God just because something terrible is happening. Yeah, he really is always there, whether you can see him or not. As you were talking, I was reminded of the story in the in Genesis about Joseph, whenever, you know, his brothers sell him into slavery. And long story short, he ends up becoming the second most powerful person in Egypt. Talk about a change from suffering, right? And then yeah. his brothers come back and they don't recognize that it's him. They think he's dead and uh, or long gone. And there's this line when Joseph's talking to his brothers in, in Genesis 50, 20. He says, you meant it for evil. What you What you did to me when you sold me into slavery, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. So in all of our sufferings and all the evils that we face, no matter where it comes from, like this, natu- this natural disaster, this hurricane that people are, are suffering from, God can take the evil that happened and he can still use it and make it um, good eventually, like to make good come out of this because he's always with us throughout the entire thing and he always wills what's best for us. And people are growing through this. People are coming together, like you said. And every time I've looked at pictures and posts from my friends, people I've known for years who are losing their houses, instead of having the the feelings that you'd think I would have of just complete sadness, there's as tears are welling up in my eyes, all I can think about is this is beautiful, how they're responding to it, how they're helping each other out. And that's not the reaction you'd think that somebody would have in looking at these these horrific... videos or pictures or whatever, but because of their faith shining through, you can see the beauty of God working in and through them, even in the midst of this terrible, terrible tragedy. Uh, it's such a great point, Taylor, and, and such a great way to end, really. We're about out of time, but I think that that is a, a really important thing to keep in mind as we continue to see news coverage, not just from Houston, but from other places in the world that are experiencing so much suffering. So, Taylor, this has been another fabulous chat. I always love it when you are on the show. And tell us again where people can look you up to find out more about you and maybe even have you come speak at their parish event. 
Yeah, ForteCatholic.com. You can find information about my speaking, about my worship leading. I'm getting booked up for this fall, so if you want me to come in fall or spring, I'd love to do that. You can check out my show, my, uh, Forte Catholic Radio, on Red Sea Catholic Radio, and you can find it on the podcast as well, ForteCatholic.com. Jen, thanks so much. Thank you to you. Thank you to God, and thank you to that wine a few months ago that got this all started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the workings of the Holy Spirit and the workings of a glass of wine. You know, there's there's kind of a fine line there. I don't so. really care. It, somehow I, it happened. So th- right, thanks right, to all yeah. three of those. Yeah, we'll take it. Whatever gets the job done. Well, it was a blessing to me too, Taylor. I'm so glad to be connected with you. Love the work that you're doing. We will talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, keep up the great work. Thanks. You too. God bless. All right. Take care. And we will be back with more after this.